We now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. In life, we come into places where we have to make decisions. We come to those decision points in life, uh, those turning points, those tough moments when you've got maybe two, three or several options in front of you and you've got to pick one. So tell a neighbor, pick one. You've got to pick one of those many options in front of you. And uh, you've got to live with the consequences of that one decision, that decision that you made and choosing one of the many options that were before you. So this morning, I just want to address that and uh, bring to us what I believe is a call from the heart of God as to how to approach and a very important principle for us to, to undergird those moments when we have to pick one in life. I want to use the story of David as a, a background to bring across some important things for us here this morning. Of all the people in the Bible, there, been, there are many great men and women of God in the Bible. Great testimonies, great lives, great impact for God's kingdom. David is very unique because of all the people, it is said only of David that he is a man after God's own heart. I mean, think of this. If God was going to say something about you or something about me, what would he say? About David, he said, this is a man after my own heart. Here's a man whose passion is to delight my heart. Here's a man whose passion is to please the heart of God. Because he's a man after my own heart, I will take this shepherd and I will make him king. Amen. If God can see that kind of a heart in you and that kind of a heart in me, I believe there is no limit that to what God can entrust to you and me here on earth. The question is, Will you and I be such kind of a people? Will you and I be people who will, will be people after God's own hearts? The Apostle Paul preaching many, many centuries later in Acts 13 chapter. He recounts the story of the life of David. And in Acts the 13th chapter and verse 22, the Apostle Paul talks about David this way. He says, and when he, that is God, had removed him, that is Saul, he raised up for them David as king. To whom he also gave this testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. What does it mean to be a man after God's own heart? What does it mean to be a person who's passionate about the heart of God? Paul explains it to us in verse 22 of Acts 13. He says, I have found for me a man after my own heart who will do all my will. He's somebody who's going to do what pleases my heart. He's going to do what I will. 
in life. Amen. So if you and I want to be people who are after God's own heart, we must be people who are willing to do His will. Now David's story is really exciting because uh, here is a shepherd boy who suddenly overnight becomes a national hero. You know the story of how David goes and kills Goliath and uh, which all the great soldiers in Saul's army failed to do. Here comes a shepherd boy. He knocks Goliath out. And overnight he goes from being nobody to being the national hero. The Times of India has, the Times of Israel, sorry, has the headlines. David kills Goliath. Israel Television has David, the shepherd boy, knocks Goliath. I mean, he's, he's on news everywhere. All the FM radio stations are singing this tune. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed ten thousands. Overnight, David becomes a national hero. But what I want you to see uh, is the, the response that David had to instant fame, to instant fortune, to instant promotion in life. Overnight he became the leader, one of the military leaders in Saul's army. Overnight people were singing his praises. Overnight his fortunes changed in life. And this is how David responded to all of that. In the 18th chapter of 1 Samuel, Three times the Bible tells us how David managed himself or handled himself. In 1 Samuel chapter 18 verse 5 it says, So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. Verse 14, And David behaved wisely in all his ways and the Lord was with him. Verse 30, Then the princes of the Philistines went out to war. And so it was, whenever they went out, that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name became highly esteemed. What you see is this David doesn't get into a flippant lifestyle in response to all of this, uh, the, 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 the honor, the fame, the fortune that comes his way overnight. No, the Bible says he continues to walk uprightly and he behaves himself very wisely. How could he do that? Because his heart was still fixed on God. He remained as a man after God's own heart. So this being a side note on David's life. I like to submit to you that when you and I are people after God's own heart. Fame, fortune, success, money, wealth will not change us. Because we are people after God's own heart. We will know how to hold ourselves. We will know how to behave wisely in the middle of all of that. God can entrust to us anything on earth. And if we are people of God's own heart, those things around us will not change us. But as we continue in David's life, we, we discover that uh, Saul, King Saul, becomes very jealous, very intimidated of David. And he begins to attack him. He begins to try to kill him. And so David, for, the, for his own safety, has to run into the wilderness. And the future king of Israel is now living in caves. Homeless, as a wanderer in the wilderness. The interesting thing to see is that even in the wilderness, God was setting things up for David. 
This 22nd chapter of 1 Samuel says that while David was in the caves of Adullam, 400 men came to him. Now these 400 men were in as bad shape as David. They were all in debt. They were all in distress. And they were all discontented with life. And these were the kind of 400 people who showed up at David's doorstep and said, David, we want to join with you. But what David did not realize is that these 400 men who at that time were in a very pathetic state would one day become the great generals of David's army who would help him conquer all the surrounding nations and help David become the greatest king that Israel ever knew. And God was setting this up when David was in the wilderness. The point you and I must get is this, that if you are in the wilderness, don't think God is not at work. Those pathetic people who are coming to you could become your future military leaders. Those people who are coming to you in distress, in discontent. I mean, they don't look very attractive, but God is still working in your life when you are in the caves of Adullam. God is still working in your life when you are in the worst nightmare. When God is still working in your life when you are in the wilderness running like a homeless woman. God is setting things up for your destiny to become accomplished and fulfilled. So do not consider the wilderness as a wasted time. God is still at work. Amen. That's what God did in David's life. It was in the wilderness time that his great generals joined him. They didn't come with five star badges. They came as poor pathetic people. But David embraced them. And one day, they were the very ones who fought his battles, whom he could entrust with his own life and his own kingdom. And they were the ones who helped establish the kingdom of David. But I want to bring our attention to some specific events that took place in the life of David, which will help us develop an understanding of how we choose, make choices, pick things in our lives. As David progresses, Saul is still after him trying to kill him. Twice, David has the opportunity to kill Saul. In 1 Samuel, the 24th chapter, David is in the wilderness, in verse 1, is in the wilderness of En Gedi. And Saul brings 3,000 of his best men, best soldiers, to go after one David. And David is there hiding in a cave. With his 400 men at the back side of the cave. And Saul, unknown, unknown about this, he comes into the cave wanting to get some rest. So he goes into the cave all by himself to lie down and get rest. And back in the cave is David with his 400 soldiers. What happens that day is so interesting. In verse 4. Of 1 Samuel 24 chapter it says. Then the men of David said to him. Hallelujah. This is the day which the Lord has made. Behold. I will deliver your enemy into your hands. That you may do to him as it seems good. You know they, they encouraged him. David this is your chance to get rid of Saul. David felt naughty. Sometimes I, I get a little naughty but. David felt a little naughty and he, he cut off a little corner in Saul's robe. 
But verse 5 says, It happened after that, David's heart troubled him because he had cut a little piece of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And so Saul got up from the cave and he went on out, outside the cave. And then David comes and he speaks to Saul and he says, Saul, you are here. and Look, I have a piece of your robe. But look at verse 10. Look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave. But, and someone urged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. So I won't do this. I will not kill him. Why would he not kill him? What was his motivation? Verse 12. Let the Lord judge between you and me. And let the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you. Verse 15. Therefore let the Lord be judge. And judge between you and me. And see and plead my case. And deliver me out of your hands. Was it right for David to kill Saul? Humanly speaking, of course. Because Saul was after David's life. He's the one who tried to kill David several times. And uh, David is supposed to be the next king. Saul has backslidden, lost his anointing. In fact, he's a troublemaker in Israel, bringing trouble to the entire nation. So it will be indeed a heroic thing to get rid of this man Saul. He can save an entire nation from all this trouble. Would it be a right thing? Probably. But David didn't choose the right thing. He chose what is more honorable. In all of life, there may be things that are right, but you got to choose what is honorable. A man after God's own heart is a man who doesn't just look for what is right, what is legally allowed, what is rightfully is. He looks for what honors God in that situation. And that's what David did. He said, I could kill Saul. I have every legitimate reason to get rid of this man. All my soldiers are with me. But I will still not do it. Because I rest my case with God. I choose what is honorable before God. He chose the pleasure of honor. Once again in 1 Samuel the 26th chapter. The same thing happens. Saul comes with 3,000 men after David in another region. And... Uh, that night, Saul and his, uh, his uh, army of 3,000 men are, are sleeping in their tents. David once again gets a little naughty. He says, you know, who wants to go down with me into the tent? One brave soul, Abishai, says, I'll go with you, David. So verse 7 of 1 Samuel 26, David and Abishai come to the people by night. And there Saul lay sleeping within the camp. With his spear stuck in the ground by his head. And Abner and the people lay all around him. Abner was one of Saul's generals. Then Abishai verse 8 said to David. God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now he was a little smart. He said I know David won't kill him. But maybe I can kill him for David. So he says. First Samuel 26. 
Now therefore, please let me strike him at once with the spear, right to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. And David said to Abishai, do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Verse 10, David said, furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall go out to battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. David said, Abishai, I won't kill him, and I don't want you to kill him. He is the Lord's anointed. This man, though today is fallen, one day he, was, he covered the anointing of God. Today he's backslidden, but in time past, he was the man God chose to rule over Israel. And I will not lift up my hand against anyone whom God has anointed. David chose not just what is right, but he chose what is honorable before God. Why did he do that? Verse 23. May the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord has delivered you into my hand today. But I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Now David is talking to Saul. And indeed, as your life was valued much this day in my eyes, so let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord. And let him deliver me out of all tribulation. He's saying, I'm resting my case with God. Just as I valued your life, I want my life to be valued in the eyes of God. And I want God to vindicate me out of this trouble. Saul, you're the one who's causing me trouble. But I'm not going to avenge myself. I'll allow God to come through. He chose what is honorable. The pleasure of honor. A man after God's own heart is not a man who's who's so fixed on doing what's right and legally permitted and, and what's allowed. He's got a greater value system. His value system is, I want to honor God. I want to do something that pleases the heart of God. Are you with me so far? There are many things that may be permitted. Many things may be allowed. Many things that may be legally right. But a man after God's own heart sees far beyond that. He says, what really honors God in this situation? He's going after the pleasure of honor. The pleasure of honor is simply the choice you make to honor God that's pleasing his heart. The pleasure of honor is simply you experiencing pleasure. You derive pleasure because you know you've pleased About Jesus, Jesus said this in John 8 and verse 29. He said, he who sent me is with me because I always do what is pleasing to him. I always do what is pleasing to him. I want that to sink into our hearts. This is how I want to live my life. I want to always do what is pleasing to God. Amen. So in life, you and I need to pick one. The pleasure of honor. On the other hand, there is the pain of sin. As you and I make decisions, evaluate the choices you make under these conditions. If I pick something 
Will it bring about the pleasure of honor? Or will it bring about the pain of sin? David had an impeccable record in his walk with God. He had such a noble character that even when his enemy lay at his feet, he refused to kill him. He chose the pleasure of honor. And yet we see as David continues in his journey, we know that he went through the pain of sin. After David had been established king of all Israel, conquered all his enemies, had these mighty generals in his army. In 2 Samuel 11 chapter we read verse 1 that it was a time when the kings went to war and, and David sent his armies out into battle to fight against uh, enemies and conquer and expand territory. But David stayed at home in that particular season of war. And one evening he was walking up on his terrace and he saw a beautiful woman Bathsheba. And you know the story how David conspired to kill Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. Ended up committing adultery with her. And the Bible says in 2 Samuel 11 chapter 27th verse. That what David did displeased the heart of God. What a tragedy. The very man of whom God said this is a man after my own heart. Now brought pain. To the heart of God. Because of sin. Not only did, it, did he bring pain to the heart of God. But David himself went through such a painful time. As he realized what he had done. In murdering Uriah. Committing adultery with Bathsheba. Psalm 51 so. So captures the pain. That David himself went through. And I'll just read it to you. The first 17 verses of Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when, just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in, my, in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness. That the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O, o God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. This is the prayer of a man in the pain of sin. He feels like his bones are broken. 
He does not want to lose what God has given him. And he cries out saying, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Lord, do not take away your Holy Spirit. God created me a clean heart. He is crying out in the pain of sin. When you and I have to make choices in life, I believe God is calling you and me to choose the pleasure of honor rather than the pain of sin. And what we must understand is that every choice, each choice you make either has a double pleasure or a double pain. When you choose what honors God, you bring pleasure to the heart of God and your own heart rejoices that you've done what is right. When we choose what is wrong, it causes double pain, pain to the heart of God. And it leaves us like David in pain in our own sin. In everyday life, we face choices. We've got to pick one. Either the pleasure of honor or the pain of sin. For instance, you may be a student writing your final exams. The, the invigilator walks into the exam hall and says, Guys, I know this is your final exam. I want to be good to you. All I'm asking you is on your way out, just give me 100 rupees. I'm going to close my eyes for the next three hours. Do whatever you want. Such things do happen. So all of a sudden, Cheating in exams has become legal, at least in that session. So, everybody starts cheating. Is it allowed? Well, it's legal. The invigilator said, do what you want. Nobody's going to get caught. You have a choice to make. You can follow the crowd, not, I mean... And say it's legal. Or you can choose something higher than what's legal. You can choose the pleasure of honor. It's not whether it's allowed or not. It's whether it honors God or not. Would you be a man, a woman after God's own heart? In the workplace, if your boss is not seeing what you're doing, you cut corners. Everybody does it. And it's supposed to be done. You're supposed to fudge numbers. You're supposed to do these things. It's okay. Everyone does it. But you are interested in not just doing what's allowed, what's permitted. You're living by a higher standard. You're living by the standard of honor. Will you pick the pleasure of honor? Saying, God, I chose to honor you. I chose to please your heart. Not live by whether it's allowed or not. Whether it's legal or not. I live by a higher standard. The pleasure of honor. Amen. And here's what I do as a, as a boss. 
I'm not saying you have to do it. And I understand that different organizations have different processes in place. But when an employee comes to me and says, you know, I've got a good offer, but they want me to join next week. Now, according to the contract we've signed, you've got to give 30 days notice. Now, that's the legal thing. But, you know, I say, I want to do what's honorable. Rules are made by me and I can break it when I want it. If this is going to benefit his career, I will let him go next week. So many times I've done that. Why? Because, you know, I want to bless his life. Not live by the code that we've written on paper. Many times I've let people go in a week's time. But you know today, people who've left the company are willing to work for me for free. They say, what? tell us we want to help your business. We want to help you. They're willing to do it. Why? Because I didn't go by the rule book. I went by honor. I went by what will bless their life. Not what they've signed on the contract. Of course I can live by the contract. But there is something more important than the contract. They are people. I want to treat them as people first. Not as employees. I'm not saying you have to do it. You may be in an organization where you cannot do it. But there's one thing you can always do. You can treat people as people, not as employees. Amen. We don't live just by what's legal. We live by what's honorable. The pleasure of honor. I want to close with this verse. In Obadiah chapter 1 and verse 17. And, and in the weeks gone by, I shared with you how this decade is a decade to come into our inheritance. For God's people to enter into what is their spiritual inheritance. But you and I must understand that there is one very important criteria for us to come into our inheritance. It's given for us here in Obadiah chapter 1 verse 17. It's on page 1322. Obadiah chapter 1 verse 17. But on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance. And there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. The Old Testament Mount Zion according to Hebrews chapter 12. Is a type of the New Testament church. So in Mount Zion, there will be deliverance. There will be the ability to set people free. The Old Testament house of Jacob or the house of Israel is a type of the New Testament church according to Galatians 6, the Israel of God. So when it says the house of Jacob, the people of God will possess their possessions or possess their inheritance. They will come into their inheritance. But there's one line that links the whole thing. But in Mount Zion there shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness. And then the people of Jacob, the house of Jacob, the people of God will come in to their inheritance. You want to come into your inheritance. You want to come into everything that God has for your life. There is one important criteria in the house of God. There must be Holiness. What will you pick? The 
pleasure of honor or the pain of sin? To pick the pleasure of honor, not the pain of sin. That in the house of God in Mount Zion, there will be deliverance. There will be the ability to set people free. And there will be holiness. And then the people of God will come into their inheritance. They will possess their spiritual inheritance. They will begin to walk in everything God has for them. But there shall be holiness. Would you please take a few moments this morning to just respond to the word of God. There's a call from heaven to be a people of the God's own heart. There's a call from heaven not just to do what's right, but to do what honors God. Not just to do what is acceptable by man, but to do what pleases the heart of God. There's a call from heaven that in Mount Zion there shall be holiness in order for the people of God to possess their inheritance. Would you this morning embrace the call to pick the pleasure of honor, the pleasure of honoring God. When you honor God, you please His heart and you experience great joy within you. Would you and I be men and women of honor? Would you and I be men and women who would please the heart of God? However the Spirit of God is speaking to you, I want you to respond this morning. Jesus said, I always do what is pleasing in His sight, what is pleasing to the God said, I sought for a man after my own heart. God's looking for people after his own heart. Would you pray and say, God, I want to be one of those. When you go through all people's church, I want to be one of those. For you would say, it's after your Father, we just pray this morning for an impartation of grace and more grace into our lives. That each one of us, God, will be supernaturally enabled to choose the pleasure of honor and refuse the pain of sin. In the daily choices that we make, give us the grace and even more grace that enables us to choose the pleasure of honor and say no to the pain of sin. And Father, we pray for us. We will be able to learn from David's life that to be always on guard said in your word let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall impart to us grace this morning to be men and women who will 
choose the pleasure or honor. Men and women, after God's own heart. So we pray this in Jesus' name. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.